0: You've shot emails to me this week in regards to your community group and uh, so I appreciate hearing uh, just the cool things that God's doing in and through your life. Pastor Dan loves good news. I'll be back. So I like good news, right? Don't, don't we all? So, so anyway, share those stories and, and pass them around email me. That would be great to hear. So we're going to recap from last week, and then we're going to jump into today's lesson and just kind of build on our life. As we kind of get the visual that we're trying to create in our minds, we are the visible body of the invisible God. We are the message of the gospel to a world. If you imagine your life as kind of a billboard on the highway, you have a message to proclaim to the world. And that message is wrapped in God's grace and God's mercy. And you've experienced things. You've gone through goods and bads and in different times in your life. And God's grace has been there. He has been with you. He's been in you. He's been beside you. And that message needs to pro- be proclaimed in the community and the world around us. And so just as uh, companies and corporations work hard on their branding... Uh, so as believers, we need to make sure that our branding is speaking of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love to a world that's out there. So last week, we looked at how God speaks to us in that gentle whisper, and that's in that First Kings nineteen. And so how God spoke to in a gentle whisper, we need to make sure that we're uh, we're aware of that. We've encouraged you guys to do. 21 minutes with God for 21 days and read 21 chapters of the gospel of John. And so to kind of get in that rhythm into that routine where we begin to hear God's gentle whisper. And then God places in us a sacred shout. And those are painful experiences and difficult times uh, that we have in our life. And he wants to use that. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. He wants to use that in our life as we proclaim his message Of grace and mercy to a world around us, and then He has created a holy disturbance in our life, and that is where we feel compelled to do something. And in those times in our life where it makes us, we feel so, you know, burdened. We might use the word uh, where that 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 burden for people or for groups of people is so powerful that it just causes us to get up and begin to move for Him in His kingdom. And so that's just a little bit from last week. If you weren't here, you can grab a CD, you can listen online, and today we're going to start building on that. So the top of your outline, are you ready? Top of your outline. The Greek philosophers, the logos, remember in John chapter 1, the word became flesh. The Logos became flesh. In their mind, the Logos was impersonal. It was an abstract principle of reason and order in the universe. And so God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, and He came down to dwell among us into this messy world in which we live in. And he came and he put on flesh and blood. And remember what Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And he begins to flush out in all the craziness and all the noise of the world. He begins to reveal the heart of God to a lost world. And as the body of Christ, now Jesus has ascended into heaven and the Spirit of God dwells in us and we are the visible body of the invisible God. And we are to go into the highways and byways. And we are to be the message that he has placed in and through our lives. And i want to give you a couple more verses in John chapter 14. And uh, let's just kind of go through it. And I'll comment as we, as we work our way through. John chapter 14, verse 15. Here's what it says. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father. This is Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor. Now that that word actually means the another of the same kind. All right. So Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm going to no longer be here in the flesh. I'm going to ascend into heaven, but I'm going to ask the Father to send uh, another of the same kind, and He is going to be. What is He going to be? Okay. So both of you are. Let's do it again. And what is he going to be? And how long? All right. Verse 17. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him or neither sees him or knows him. But you will know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. So there's three things that I want you to circle. I want you to circle with you. I want you to circle in you. And then in verse 18, it says, and I, uh, and I uh, will not leave you. OK, and circle that little phrase there. Those three words will not uh, uh, not leave you. All right. So he, here's what Jesus is saying. The spirit, another of the same kind, is going to come into the life of the believer. And then and, and, and he is going to be with us. He's going to be by us. That's the, the, I will not leave you. And he's going to be in us. All right. So kind of get your mind around this. So Jesus says that we're going to have as the body of of believers, that we're going to have the spirit of God and he is going to be with us. He's going to be by us and he is going to be in us back to verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Verse 20. Pay attention. On that day, you will realize, and then I want you to underline this part, "I am in the Father." this is Jesus. so underline that those five words with uh, five words, "I am in the Father and underline "You are in me," and then underline and i in you." okay are we got that? So the Spirit of God is in us with us. And by us. and Jesus says, "I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you." Okay, so we got to kind of get this because it's going to be important to understand what our purpose is and what our life message is going to be. It goes on in verse twenty-one. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who uh, who loves me. He is the one uh, who he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him, okay? So as believers, the Spirit of God is in us, with us, and by us. And Jesus Jesus says that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you, okay? Big idea, look in your outline, big idea, here it is. God is with us, in us, and by us. His life is our life, and our life is his life you cannot separate them you cannot separate them your life is his life his life is your life it's not like on sunday we can have coat racks in the lobby and as we come in we grab our holy spirit coat and we put them on and then when we leave That we walk over to our coat rack, designated for us, and we take off our Holy Spirit coat and we place them on there and we say, see you next Sunday, and then leave. He is in you, with you, and by you. You cannot separate your life into categories as followers of Christ. Now, the world wants you to think that you can't. The world wants to say, no, no, you just talk about the Jesus stuff in church, but don't bring that Jesus stuff into the world. You know, just kind of keep your opinions to yourself, right? The world tells us that, but as followers of Christ, he is with us, in us, and by us, and we can't separate our life from him. His life is our life. Our life is his life. And if I can do just kind of a silly illustration and a little bit later we're going to play duck, duck, goose in the auditorium. So get ready, all right? So if you imagine that my right hand is God, okay, and my left hand is my life, we are to overlap or he is to overlap our life. And as we live our life, his life is our life. And our life is actually hidden in him. And the world only should see Christ in us. Shouldn't see me, that's a mess. Should see Jesus in me, in my life. And as we walk through life, that is a big idea that we are to hold on to. His life is our life, our life is his life, and you can't separate it, you can't uh, put it into categories. Are we following along okay? John chapter 17, verse 17 sanctify go ahead and circle the word sanctify sanctify means to be set apart for service you think of the old testament the priests were sanctified for the service of god they would act as uh, mediators between god and man right and so they would do sacrifices and so forth as a way of mediating between a holy god and a sinful man all right and so we kind of steal that idea in the new testament we so sanctify them by the truth jesus says your word is truth. Now, why are we sanctified? Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent... Who's the them? Us, right? I have sent them into the world. Verse 19. For them I sanctified myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse twenty-four, or verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those... Who will believe in me through their message right verse twenty one that uh, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, so there we go again, may they believe also uh, may, may they also be in us in the Hina clause. right that is, here's the condition, there's the condition, here's the challenge so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay? Are we following? Now, just as a total side note here, and this isn't anything about our church, but when the body of Christ is unified, the unified body is able to evangelize the world. When a body of believers is kind of fragmented, right, the evangelism... Uh, power isn't there as we're unified as a as a group of believers we have more power in going into the world and here's here you kind of say well why would that be let me me just ask you do you want to go hang out with a bunch of people who don't like each other i don't right i mean i want to go to where people feel like hey you know we're a family we're in it together and we're going to fight forward right and so when it comes to un- uh, being unified, it's, a, it's an important part of, of, the, uh, of the evangelism part, part. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you uh, gave me that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me may, uh, may they be brought to the complete unity. What for? To let the world know that you sent me. What's the importance of unity? To let the world know that you've sent me. Okay, big idea. Here we go in your outline. We are set apart for his purpose. His purpose is our purpose. And our purpose is his purpose. So just as his life is my life. And my life is his life. His purpose is my purpose. And my purpose should be, and we're going to talk about this next year as the potter and the clay, my my purpose should be his. My life should overlap him. And what the world ought to see is Jesus in me, right? As the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus in and through the life of the believer. You are you are the visible body of an invisible God. And the world desperately needs to hear that and to experience it in our world, right? And, I, and I'll say this as just kind of a side, there's, there's a ton of stuff that's out there about the churches dying, the churches and uh, people are walking away from their faith and all this other stuff. You have to be careful of those studies, all right? Now, now it's true, smaller churches are dissolving but bigger churches are growing and i happen to believe like a bunch of other young guys in america today that we believe that america is ripe for a revival because it is it has been sold a false bill of goods of what success and hope is and they've lived through it and guess what they found out it's the middle of the donut it's empty and they're seeking meaning in life and I think the church is positioned to be the message to a world that's desperately crying out saying there's got to be something more than just making a bunch of money and having a bunch of things right and so we, we certainly have that in our life so let's take a look As we think about his life is our life, his purpose is our purpose, and how Jesus came into this earth right to to break through the noise of the world to bring the heart of God and the message of God and the principles that we can pull from that as we go into the world to be the message for Christ. So are you ready? Four principles. Ready? John chapter 1, verse 14 and... Before we jump in, it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Four principles. Number one, we must reveal or I must reveal my heart before I open my mouth. That's brilliant right there, right? So here's what it says. The word became flesh. Now, now think about this. And Eric kind of alluded to it in, this, in as he set you up for a song. I mean, the, the God of the universe that spoke everything into existence left his throne in heaven and he came on as a human, fully God, fully man, to dwell in this messy place called earth. He took on the form of a flesh to come in so that the people would understand and recognize who God is. And, you know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? To bring flesh to the heart of God, all right? So that they would be able to, or people would be able to communicate to a holy God. Here's the part that we need to recognize. You know, Christmas is coming around the corner. In fact, I was in Home Depot the other day, right? They got Halloween stuff. Christmas stuff, right? And I'm waiting for Easter. So I ask the manager, where's the bunny at? And I'm thinking, what month is this? I mean, it just seems like it gets earlier and earlier and earlier. Why just keep it up all year, right? But, but the Christmas is coming around the corner quicker than we think. <laughs> but the God of the universe took on the form of not a mature adult, Jesus came as a baby, born in a manger, totally dependent upon his earthly, mother, or earthly father and his mother, completely dependent upon them, right? And he, and he takes on the form of a body, and he comes down, and he dwells among us. And see, here's where my concern is for the believers. We need to embrace our humanity. You say, well, what does that mean? Too often... As believers, we don't want to talk about our hurts, our pain, our failures, and our struggles. And we put guards up, don't we? Because that's what we're told. We're saying, if you're going to survive, you know, you've got to put guards up. You, you, You can't tell people that you're weak in an area. You can't tell people that you have a struggle in an area because, I mean, you're a Jesus follower and you should be walking on water. But let's be honest. You know, in this church, we always do this. I don't know if you know this, but we're all sinners, right? And We've all made mistakes, perhaps on the way to church today, right? And see, I hear as Pastor Danny, you're going to say, I don't believe it. I've actually heard believers tell me, I can't think of the last time that I sinned. And I'm thinking, unless you're in a coma, trust me, you have. Right there, you just did. You're full of pride, right? I mean, we're all fellow strugglers. And when we refuse to talk about our our weaknesses and our failures and, and, and our struggles that we have in life, we take a large part of our story and we completely wipe it away. What about if we said this? You know what? There were times in my life where I was going through panic attacks but let me tell you what I do. I rely on God and when I start struggling with it, I just kind of take a deep breath and ask God's spirit to just come in me and I, I have a few scriptures that I re- memorize and, and I just kind of rehash it in my mind to kind of calm me down. You think the world could embrace a story like that? Sure they can. But, but, but if I go around and say, you know, I, I, I was thinking the other day and I can't even remember the last time I even had a bad thought. I mean, it's been so long. You have a hard time embracing that, don't you? So here's something kind of funny. There's a studies, and this is true. Don't raise your hand. That couples have arguments before they go to church and on their way to church. Don't raise your hand. No elbows. Don't don't go like this. None of that. All right. And it's actually it's pretty alarming. It's pretty it's pretty it's it's a lot right so if that's you welcome to the club right i mean and then pastor dan's like oh you're going to come and worship a holy god and sing praises to him and you got a bad attitude going in so what if i told you this how could you relate to me if i if i said this Yeah, you know, i've been in the mini- ministry 24 years and i cannot ever remember a time that tammy and i argued before church or on the way to church you want to know why because I leave at 5 in the morning and drive separate cars. <laughs> so if you argue with your spouse, here's the deal. You can uh, drive two cars, leave 5 in the morning and meet me down here, but park in the gravel so you save some spots out in the pavement for the other people, right? <laughs> so, so, so when we talk about our perfection, people have a hard time embracing that. But when we talk about our weakness, they're definitely open to it, right? So what, what causes us to kind of put up our guard and that's the fear of rejection, right? We're afraid that if we share our weaknesses and our struggles, that people are going to reject us. Well, the truth is they already know you're not perfect. And all you're doing is validating what they already know about you. Look with me in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, at the bottom of uh, the last one there. It's the message translation. And it says this, there's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. If you allow the fear of rejection, of being real to people, you are going to be paralyzed. And you're not going to be able to be the message in which God desires for you. And so you tell stories about your life, about how the Spirit of God has helped you through The struggles that you're going through that you're not where you need to be yet, but it's a journey But I am farther down the road than I was before And god in his spirit has given me grace and wisdom and discernment Whatever it is that you've gone through you want to make that part of your story because that's what a world is going to embrace A world is going to embrace that when they hear that number two The second thing is that we we must move into their world Look in verse fourteen, and and the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And that word dwelling, it's only used one time in the Gospel of John as a verb, and it means to pitch a tent. All right, and it's the idea of the tabernacle. It's the idea of a dwelling place where God would be, right? And, and so here's what John is saying: where in the Old Testament times God dwelt in the tabernacle in the tent, right? So now here he is: the Logos becomes flesh. And he dwells among us. He desires to have community with us. And we need to be willing to go into the broken worlds, the the neighborhoods and so forth that we live in to be the message for them, for Christ. We need to be willing to go in there so that they can hear about his love and his mercy. Look in John chapter uh, 1, verse 14 there in the message translation. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. right? And I think that's a, that's a good visual of what we are to do, that we are to move in to the neighborhood. Now, let me give you a couple ideas when you think about ministering and, and working with folks in a broken world. The first one in your outline is that I need to identify their needs. All right now let me share a little bit about this. Let's use the example of someone who's gone through a divorce. Fortunately that's something that probably a lot of us can relate to or know folks who've been involved in that kind of thing and oftentimes when someone who's gone through a divorce there's a sense of bitterness or hostility toward their ex and Maybe it's a child support issue. Maybe they're paying child support. Maybe it's alimony. Maybe they don't feel like they're getting alimony. And I'm not here to say what's, what's right and what's wrong. I'm just painting a picture of what is pretty common. And so someone comes in and they're upset, you know, and if, if he just gave more and I deserve more, or I'm tired of paying more and I shouldn't have to pay more and, you know, all that, that mess, right? So we identify their needs, but here's where we have to have discernment. Oftentimes, their perceived need is not their need. Their perceived need, in this case, is I need to pay less, I need to get more, right? And if I just got less or I got more or whatever it is, then everything would be fine. That's a perceived need. The reality is their need is they need to be forgiven from God and they need to grant forgiveness to their ex-spouse, Right? And so their perceived need is the judge needs to write an order and I'm done with this. But in reality, they need to experience God's forgiveness and they need to extend God's forgiveness to their ex. So sometimes you have to have discernment when you're looking into the neighborhood in the life of the people that are around you. Now we will take the next step. Then we need to discover what their dream is. Again, oftentimes, using the illustration of a person go, who have gone through a divorce, oftentimes their dream is that I'm finished with her. I'm done with him. I never want to see him. That's it. Over, done, sayonara. Right? The dream in reality is they need to experience God's forgiveness. They need to grant forgiveness because health is really what they need. They need to have a healthy attitude in order to have a healthy relationship in the future. If you're like 68 or younger and you've gone through divorce, the chances of you remarrying is like 82%. Okay? It's a very large amount. The reality is if you have bitterness tied in and you haven't gotten forgiveness from God and you haven't given forgiveness to the person that you were previously married to, You're not going to be healthy to have a dream relationship that you desire. Health attracts health. Disease attracts disease. Right? And so when we go into the neighborhoods, into our our, our places, we need to kind of ask for discernment because sometimes their perceived needs and their dreams aren't really what they need. You following? So as believers, we've got to ask for God's discernment to rise above what they're saying to get them in in contact with where God desires for them to be, all right? Number three, I must speak and act in grace and truth. All healthy relationships need to have grace and need to have truth in it, all right? And so look what it says in in, uh, John 14 again. Uh, First John 14, it says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth, right? And so we need to make sure that we are full of grace and truth, not one extreme or the other, right? Oftentimes we can be too full of grace. Hey, anything goes, whatever you want to do, it's all good. Or we can be truth. hit him in the head. Right? Take the Bible out, pound them. Jesus said, I'm telling you, turn or burn, baby, right? All right. (laughs) You heard that message before, huh? (laughs) Must have had counseling with him. (laughs) So it's one extreme or the other, right? And so we need to make sure that we have both. That there's grace. What's grace? Grace is what God gives you that you don't deserve. Right. That's grace. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't bring anything. If you're a follower of Jesus, you didn't bring anything to the table. Zero. And yet he died for you. That's grace. And so we need to make sure that when we speak and we act, that we are full of grace. In our life. But a healthy relationship also needs truth. Right. When you know the truth the truth will set you free. Look what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said, kindness is the language the blind can see and the deaf can hear. And if you wrestle with being a kind person, if you tend to be and you know, kind of more legalistic and more, hey, that's what the authority of the word of God says, if that's kind of where you are, then there's a 30-day challenge in your bulletin. And I encourage you, to take that out because there's acts of kindness that will really ruffle your feathers, right? And so allow God's grace to live in and through your life, but then we also need to have truth, don't we? There has to be truth. It, it shouldn't be one extreme or the other. We need to have truth in it. And one of the best examples is Jesus in John chapter 8, where Jesus is at the temple, the religious leaders bring a woman who's caught in adultery and they're trying to trap him. And they say, according to the law of Moses, this woman who's an adulterer, she should be stoned to death. What do you say? You remember the account? Jesus bends down and he starts talking to them as he's got his head down. And in John chapter eight, verse nine, he tells them, hey, if you have no sin in your life, Go ahead, throw the first stone. We're interested in seeing it. And all of a sudden he hears pitter-patters of feet walking away. And so he says, At this, those who heard began to go away, in verse 9, one at a time, the older ones first, and that's because they recognize that they are far from where they need to be, right? Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Verse 10 Jesus straightened up and asked, woman, where are they? Where are they at? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11. No one, sir, she said. Jesus said this, and this is grace and truth. Watch. Then neither do I condemn you. That's grace. Here's the truth. And Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Truth. Right? There's a balance between grace and truth. Now, a total side note, it is difficult when it's your own children or kin to you, very close kin to you, when they are making poor choices. It's hard to have grace and truth. You typically have truth. And you hit hard, right? Right? But when it's other people, you tend to have grace. But you need to have a balance of both grace and truth in it. You, you need to recognize that we're all sinners. and That's what Jesus said. Hey, if you have no sin, go ahead and throw the stone. Right? But then he also says, I don't condemn you and leave your sin. So there's the truth that we need to make sure that we reveal the truth to them. Because they're not going to be set free until they know the truth. Right? Now, as I said this in the first service, and I want you to get your mind around it. Just because Jesus says it doesn't mean that we need to be mad about it. Okay? Just because Jesus said it doesn't mean that we need to be mad about it. I think as believers, and I, you know, I'm an errant guy, right? That's what I believe. But I think oftentimes when when we have something that Jesus says, we become angry about what he said and i think that if we had a perhaps a little bit different attitude as we go into the world that's filled with grace and truth we would be able to speak louder into a world to hear his truth right and so oftentimes as as churches you know it's the old thing churches are no, more known for what they're against than what they're for right and we need to make sure that we have a balance of that that there's the grace And there's the truth. And we have allowed the PC world into the church. And the PC world says, no, the world doesn't want to hear truth. And so we can't say anything that's truthful because that's offensive, that's this, that's that. I mean, go Google it today. I mean, it's it's almost comical of all the things you can't say anymore, right? And we need to embrace grace and truth. If Jesus said it and he taught it and it's scriptural, then we need to stand on it. But we need to say it in love. Does that make sense? In Ephesians, that's what it says. Instead, speak the uh, speak the truth in love, right? And so we need to make sure that we speak the truth in love into the lives of the people. Number four, the fourth thing is, is that I must connect with Christ before I speak, right? I got to connect with Christ before I speak. And verse fourteen goes on, and he says. And, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father. All right. So this is a time that as we go into the neighborhood, we're revealing our heart. We're speaking with grace and truth. There's that moment where we pause and we're asking for the spirit of God to give us discernment to speak into the life of people. Have You ever had a conversation with a person and they're standing there and it's like they're telling you the story and you have no idea what to say. That is the moment that you give one of those, hey, God, I need some help really, really quick, and that you're going to give me wisdom and discernment when you speak into my life and you speak through my life. Now look at a great example in John chapter 5, verse 17. This is uh, uh, Jesus speaking, and he said to them, my father is always at, uh, at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So Jesus says the father's working, and I am working. And if you skip down to verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. He says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. So if the son could do nothing by himself, what do you think you could do by yourself? Less than nothing, right? So he says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can uh, He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Now, here we go. In church life, oftentimes we'll hear people say, you know, I I, I just really have a burden for, and that, you know, some person out of state, out of the country, in a different land, and far, far, far away, and all this other stuff. And God may burden you for them, okay? But the reality is, God is going to place in front of you people that you need to love right and god is active he is at work and jesus is active he is at work in the lives of people and we need to be sensitive to the people that god places in front of us and as if you're in a community group you know love the one in front of you right And so oftentimes we're asking, God, I want to do, God, I want to do, God, I want to do. And it's all this big stuff way out in the future. And in the meantime, people are coming to you and they're struggling and they have issues in their life and they're wrestling with stuff. And you're like, oh, excuse me, I'm busy right now. Right. I mean, it's the person coming to you going, what must I do to be saved, pastor? And it's like, you know what? I got to go. I got something I got to get to. We've got to be aware of the people that God is sending us in our life. And if you begin to pray, and this is a challenge to us, if you begin to pray that God would place in front of us people who we need to love, I can assure you, God will wear you out with opportunities to love people. Folks, the world is so broke. It is so broke. And people need to hear the good news. And if you just surrender your heart and allow the Spirit of God to speak in and through you, you are going to ha- have excuse me more opportunities to share your faith than you could ever imagine. If you are willing, if you are willing to be His message. And again, we want this big grandiosis thing, and the reality is, There are people in your family, in your workplace, and in your neighborhood who desperately need Christ. And so we are the visible body of an invisible God. And we are to reveal our brokenness and what God's grace has done in and through our life. We are to move into those neighborhoods. We are to speak in grace and truth. And we are to ask God to speak in and through us before we launch out. Now, at the bottom of your outline, there's a couple challenges I want to give you. One is the book that we have, the hardcover book. If you haven't bought one, there's a few left on the information table on the way out. They're 15 bucks, and I would encourage you to do it. There's a lot of good stuff in it, and it's a companion book to the community group study. All right? So if you haven't bought one, you might want to go on, on today on the way out and grab one. The next one is to practice the divine whisper. If you're in a community group, you know what that is. But that's where that's the 21 days, 21 minutes, 21 chapters. And just be silent and allow the spirit of God to speak into your life, to place that burden in, in your life and, and in your heart. The next part is to complete, uh, complete the, the love, the one in front of you. And that's also in a chapter in your, in your devotional book. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And then take that 30-day challenge. Take the 30-day challenge and in the 21-day, 21, 21 minutes, 21 days, 21 chapters of the, of the gospel of John, okay? Simple to do. And the cool thing is, is when we're willing to take that step, God is going to bless you and your life is going to be richer. Not, I don't mean monetarily. I'm talking about spiritually. Who cares about the money, right? It's about experiencing Jesus in a greater way, right? And so also in front of you, you should have a little blue uh, bracelet if you guys want to grab one. If today, if you just grab the one, just one for you today, if you have other family members, we're, we'll do this over the next couple of weeks and to make sure that everyone gets one. So just grab the one today. All right. So next week, here's what we're going to look at. As we build, God's painting a picture of who we are in this billboard. Next week, we're going to look at the potter's hand and the clay. Okay. If you are not willing to be pressured and formed by the potter's hand, your life will be wobbly as you go through life. And so we'll look at what it is for him to form us and shape us into the image that he desires for your life. When he created you, he made no mistake. He created you exactly like he wanted to. And you say, well, Dan, I have. So do I. I got it too. But I am perfect in his eyes. And he has shaped me and formed me in the perfect image. And he makes no mistakes. And when we embrace that and we accept it, boy, I tell you, it is freeing to know that God has shaped and molded us. Let's pray.